0: The following has been brought to you by SJP World Media.
1: You people, you know who I am. But you don't know why I'm here. Sting! Okay! It's
0: it's Sting!
1: This is where the big boys play, huh? Look at the adjective. Play. Gonna put some butts in the seat. (laughs) Self high five! We've
0: been hanging and banging, brother!
1: You're next! Watch real monsters go at it live on WCW Monday Nitro, where the big boys play every Monday night at 8 on TNT. Hello and welcome to Nitro Nights, a WCW look back podcast proudly brought to you by the SJP World Media Network. I am Cy, and joining me as always is the wrestling encyclopedia himself, Scottish Danny. How are we doing my friend? Really well mate, how's yourself? Pretty good bird. pretty good. Looking forward to diving into this episode of Nitro as we're going I suppose full speed ahead. Towards Halloween Havoc. Oh no! Sorry. Full speed ahead towards Slim Jim's Halloween Havoc. Of course, yeah. we can't. Yeah. We can't not call it by its full name, can we? No, we certainly can't. <laughs> <laughs> Okie doke. Uh, the episode of Nitro we are looking at today was first broadcast on the seventh of October, nineteen ninety-six. It comes to us by, uh, via Savannah, Georgia and did very well in the TV ratings, Danny, as you can expect for this era of WCW, I suppose. Uh, First of all, we'll look at Monday Night Raw. That received a 2.1, which is 0.2 down on last week's Raw rating. Uh, You may wonder what those 0.2 people were doing. Well, they were watching Nitro, because Nitro (laughs) received a 3.5, which is exactly a 0.2 swing upwards for Nitro as well. So, whereas we're on average have the same number of viewers this week to last which seems to be the rough ballpark we're still getting we're not attracting masses and masses of new viewers week to week to either wrestling show i mean both both shows numbers are on the climb but quite slowly at the moment it seems it does seem that more are now switching to nitro each week we do get the odd raw jump but the numbers are separating themselves out i think aren't they
0: yeah they really are and you can just see i mean i was just thinking the other day i can't wait to get into 97 because i've heard that ratings
1: explode that year well yeah i mean we're looking at twos and threes and 3.5s and i know in the next couple of weeks just looking at the ratings uh, ahead of time well i say one of these shows we know it's going to be raw drops to a, a one point something or other um, I mean, but, but again what raw drops to? I mean, we're talking that Raw receives a two point one, and it's been it's been dicked in the ratings by Nitro on this particular night. Let's be honest about this. Yeah, WWE now would love, would absolutely adore. They would love a two point one for today's yeah. today's product. So it just goes to show how people consume their TV differently, and how I suppose successful television ratings are maybe looked at in a different way. Danny, doesn't it?
0: It really does, mate. And um, yeah, it's just as the world turns.
1: Yeah, there we go. There we go. On this particular episode of Monday Night Raw, let's have a little look at what uh, McMahon and the boys were chucking on TV to try and attract those viewers across to their show. Uh, The programme began with Mark Biro defeating the fake Diesel. By disqualification, so nothing majorly appealing there. The Smoking Guns defeated the New Rockers, who are Marty Jannetty and Leif Cassidy. Oh, dear me. The Sultan defeated Aldo Montoya. And in your main event, you had Psycho Sid defeating Goldust. And from what I can gather, just by looking through what uh, little notes and research I made on this particular episode of Raw, nothing else happened. So... You can kind of see why people are tuning in to the other station, can't you?
0: You really can. I mean, three of those four matches just have bad characters, bad gimmicks involved. It's Yeah. And then you've got over another channel, things are just ramping up. So,
1: yeah. Mm. Yes, indeed. To me, it's it's a completely different product. And I'll randomly... I'll randomly chuck on an episode of Raw from different periods of time uh, just to put on on the TV when I go to bed to doze off to and so on, depending on my mood. Sometimes I will chuck on a, an episode from 96 from roughly the same time frame as what we're covering here for Nitro Nights. And it is light and day. It is th- everything about it, the presentation, the production, the, the way the characters are written. It is just a completely different way of doing things. And... It really does seem like people don't want the way Raw and the WWF are doing things anymore. Yeah. Yeah, you can definitely see that. Mm, Indeed. Uh, Before we get into the WCW offering on this particular evening, we need to go back a couple of days and check out what WCW were offering over the weekend with our look back on WCW Saturday Night. WCW Saturday Night is brought to you by me.
0: Scottish Danny.
1: Danny, what have you got for us, bud? A monumental uh, Saturday night this week. Monumental? So. What a word that is.
0: <laughs> <laughs> because we had um, the Cruiserweight champion in action, Rey Mysterio defeating Juventud Guerrero. Okay. We, we had the Barbarian and Meng, the Faces of Fear, toppling John Tenta and Ron Studd. Now, that's a team.
1: I thought, I thought Ron Stud was. Oh no, no, I'm I'm getting my Dungeon of Doom timeline mixed up. <laughs> John Tenter and Ron Stud are, are not part of the Dungeon of Doom anymore, are they? No, no, it's all bad. It's all bad. <laughs> yeah, they should, they should start their own stable. And anyone gets kicked out of the Dungeon of Doom should start their own stable. Oh, I think they do. They become the oddities, don't they? Ah, yeah,
0: yeah. I I believe that's in WWF.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was yeah. actually I was actually going to try and be really sarcastic and take the piss and say oh. they should start their own stable but they actually go on to do that so yeah ignore everything i just said <laughs>
0: <laughs> um
1: then we have eddie graro
0: defeating joe gomez okay um we have arn anderson dropping somebody called vic steamboat which i can't remember if we've seen him on Nitro, have we sir? Vic
1: steamboat yeah does not ring a bell. Does not ring a bell.
0: That's one for the research uh, next week. Um, but we're only halfway done because we have Chris Benoit and Steve McMichael defeating Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson. Um, we have Dean Malinko defeating Mr. JL. We know who that is. <laughs> of course. The mysterious
1: Mr. JL as he is referred
0: to. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we also have Lex Luger toppling <laughs> the renegade. Okay. Yep. And uh, we have Brad Armstrong toppling Mark Starr who we haven't seen for a while. And in our main event for the WCW World Tag Team Championships Harlem Heat overcame Public Enemy to, to regain the Tag Team Championships and it's after I would say that was about a
1: four week title reign if that wasn't it? It wasn't very long. It wasn't very long yeah. at all. No. Okay. Uh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, just having a quick look here at, at Vic Steamboat. We uh, The real name, Victor Hersey Blood. He was the younger brother of Rick Steamboat, and he wrestled for the NWA. Well, some very small companies that were affiliated with the NWA when the NWA was dying out. So, like the Central Wrestling Alliance and places like that, had literally had a cup of coffee in the WWF in... in in a very odd period of time for them, and he wrestled for a world-class wrestling association in Texas for a while. Uh, yeah, just you know, a bit of a journeyman who's only in wrestling for a while and retired in ninety-eight. So just oh, over wow. ten years his career lasted. Yeah, so there we go. Uh, wow, interesting.
0: That, yeah, no, I was just going to say that has blown my mind because I had no idea Ricky Steamboat had a brother.
1: I, I didn't either. I mean, I, I don't know. Obviously if many wrestlers have brothers or sisters or, or whatever, the only way I would know of them is if they were involved in the business. So and normally I would, I would like to bank on my own memory, which will make quite a few people laugh when they listen to other shows on par. part of. But um, I like to bank on my own memory or my own knowledge with regards to if somebody is related to somebody else. But yeah, Rick Steamboat having a brother named Vic does not ring a bell with me whatsoever. Yeah, same. But new tag champs? Back on the Harlem Heat, I think this is a good decision, to be fair. We're going into the pay-per-view. I mean, I'd mean, i rather see the outsiders who are are money, aren't they? Hall and Nash are money, they're a big deal. I'd rather see them taking on Harlem Heat than fucking public enemy.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly, mate. But interesting that they chose to do it on uh, Saturday night because we can tell in the last couple of weeks they really have been trying to amp up... Um, Saturday night, so a championship change, not on Nitro, is quite interesting as well.
1: Yeah, again though, I suppose we come back to that whole uh, whole standpoint of you, you need to make the lesser shows... You, you, there, needs, there needs to be an attraction. There needs to be a reason for people to watch because if all you're going to do is watch Nitro and then on Nitro you get a recap of Saturday night or... Uh, on nitro you get a, you know oh this is gonna happen on saturday night like we get in this episode and, and that does you then saturday night's viewers or viewing figures sorry aren't gonna be very good so you need every now and again to make sure something happens on saturday night or at least you have an attraction on saturday night to make sure people will still tune in every now and again so a random title change such as such as this works in that way same as um i believe it was Was it AJ Styles, who won the WWE Championship at a house show in the UK? Yes. Yeah, see, that's the sort of thing that the WWF would do every now and again, change a belt on a house show. Because otherwise people would be like, well, I ain't going to bother going to the house show tour, the house show circuit. I'll just wait until they film TV in my time. But by every now and again throwing something out like that, it means that buying a ticket to a house show, you never quite know what you're going to get. So it's yeah. kind of the, 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 the sort of methodology behind that, I suppose.
0: Yeah, I've got you, mate.
1: Okay. Uh, speaking of our new Tag Team Champions, however, they opened the show in a non-title match against the former Tag Team Champions. But not after we, of course, have been introduced to our commentary team of Tony Schiavone and Larry Zavisco. Larry Zavisco is his usual... Uh, anti-NWO self, and we have a recap of all the things that went on last week with Miss Elizabeth and the NWO and Hogan and Savage and this contract she had in her hand, or this bit of paper she had in her hand and it, it, whose side is she really on and all that kind of stuff. And then we just go straight into uh, into the tag match opener, Danny, don't we?
0: Yeah, we certainly do. And I found two things really interesting from the start of this. First, first, the champions get no entrance. Yes. Blew me away. Um, And the second thing is, why wasn't this a championship
1: match? Yeah, because, I mean, you know, Harlem Heat win the contest, don't they? Yeah. So it makes no odds whether it's a title match or not. (laughs) Seems a bit silly. It's really odd. um, Because you'd
0: think this is their automatic rematch clause that they had, but... Maybe it did, they didn't sign the uh, contract.
1: In, I'll tell you what. Just popping in my head now. If you think this is odd, there's a title. What? Well, there's there's a championship. There's a match coming up that could be a championship match in a couple of months' time. That is not. That'll blow your mind even more. But we'll talk about that when we get to it. Um, <laughs> this particular match. I'm not gonna lie. I didn't really get on board with this. I didn't really enjoy it. Um, We have an ad break quite early on, and then we cut to Miss Elizabeth looking for Randy Savage. And we get told Randy Savage is going to face Ric Flair later in the show, in hour two, which is fine. We don't see a lot of what's going on in the ring. And when we do, it seems relatively basic before the NWO turn up, Danny, doesn't it?
0: They certainly do, mate. And, um, this leads to um, Scottish Danny's limo count number 15 now. Um, oh. <laughs> so That's insane in the run itself. But yeah, um, Scott Hall just kind of like taunts. Um, it kind of, it's, it did its job with the NWO coming in because it was like they, it was... How can I say this? I mean, it took away from this match. I mean, this match was really nothing special, but it made you focus on what's going to happen. Are they going to jump in the ring and Mm -hmm. sort of things like
1: that? Well, they're in the crowd, aren't they? They turn up in the crowd. Uh, And it's not the full number, but Nash and Hall are there, which you'd expect, wouldn't you? Because they're going to be taking on Harlem Heat at the pay-per-view. And they've got the Harlem Heat plasters on their noses. And they're mocking Harlem Heat. But Scott Hall calls them hillbillies. <laughs> they're black dudes from Harlem. That doesn't make sense. No, nah, not at all. <laughs> but there we go. The crowd, by the way, are loving the NWO. Yeah. There is a huge pop. There's an NWO chant. And I think this comes back to the issues that you and I have discussed a few times on the show. In regards of the NWO supposed to be a heel faction. But they're getting so popular because they are just brilliant television and so cool to watch. Which then makes it more difficult for the baby faces from the WCW side to get a babyface reaction because people like the NWO. But you also got to look at the extra step in that, in that there's still heels in WCW who are not associated with the NWO. So now all of a sudden they're getting virtually no reaction because of what's going on around them. And I feel Harlem Heat have got the same scenario here. Harlem Heat are wrestling, they're they're wrestling as heels against Public Enemy. You can tell by the way that they're cheating with their tags and all the usual kind of heelish antics from a, a tag team of the time. And the crowd don't give a shit. They're not booing, they're not cheering on Public Enemy because the NWO are there. So it's completely burst the bubble for Harlem Heat drawing any boos. Public Enemy, who I think struggle at times to get a crowd reaction anyway, other than their entrance when are people are swinging their arms back and forth. Public Enemy are struggling to get a babyface reaction whilst Harlem Heat are wrestling as heels, all because of the NWO's presence. And I think this kind of backs WCW into a bit of an odd corner because the NWO, obviously, to anyone watching, I mean, anyone watching along with us or anyone watching back at the time would know that the NWO is the hottest thing they have. So they have to run with it, but he, yeah. I think it's starting to affect quite a lot of quite a lot of other parts of the roster now.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Would you say that the NWO are stealing Harlem Heat's heat?
1: I yeah, I, it's a difficult one again because. And even the way it's set up, I suppose, because we're going into the pay-per-view. I mean, this is the the what the 10th of October, this episode, isn't it? 7th of October, oh, 7th. sorry. Yes. Yeah. So we're, what, 20 odd days away from the pay-per-view? So we've got maybe two, three episodes of Nitro max before we hit the pay-per-view. So we're building towards the big show. And it's the outsiders who are supposed to be this invading force that people don't like going up against the WCW team, who are the tag team champions and people in very should be cheering for. But the belts are already on bad guys. So people aren't going to cheer for Harlem Heat. So it's it's strange because people are cheering the NWO, even though ideally, I think at this point, Bischoff and the people writing this, Kevin Sullivan and all the others, would rather the NWO were getting the boos, but they're getting cheers from some parts of the crowd, quite, quite, you know, very loud cheers as well. Harlem Heat. I mean, if Harlem Heat were booked as super over crazy baby faces in a similar way to how Sting and Luger and so on were booked in the last couple of months, I don't know how that would work either, or if it would help because People still want to cheer the NWO. So the baby faces will then get booed. So by putting heels up against the NWO, are they, it's difficult to see what they're trying to do, really, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I guess we'll just have to wait till the pay-per-view to see how they um, play this out.
1: Mm, yeah, I mean, obviously we get the whole shades of grey, good guys do bad things, bad guys do good things and so on, which you know adds very much to the realism of what WCW is doing at the time, but when you've got guys who are, I mean the horsemen are heels by nature and they're getting huge babyface reactions in certain parts of the of the country, obviously horsemen country we're talking about with regards to you know, four brawl and the war games match and all this sort of stuff, but Again, it just kind of, I understand blurring the lines and having those gray areas. But you think to yourself, okay, this is coming towards the end of 96. We know, in hindsight, as wrestling fans, the NWO storyline doesn't run all the way through to the end of the company, which is only a short few years away, anyway. So it's going to be interesting, I think, seeing how this dynamic of not having a super baby face to cheer for at the moment because we know there's one coming you know a big bold guy with a tattoo on his shoulder is on his way soon but and we also know obviously you know sting is is on his way back and and so on at some point in the future but at the moment this point in 96 it's a little bit difficult to understand exactly how they're going to really push and sell sell somebody I mean you look at like an Austin now, Austin, at this point in the WWF, he's still you know floundering around in the mid-card. He's not long done the 316 promo. But when it lights fire with Austin, yes, he's effectively a heel doing babyface things, but he is then still booked as the babyface. Yeah, he is still battling the evil owner. He is still fighting against McMahon and the corporation, and not afraid to come down to the ring and take on ten blokes at once and all this sort of stuff. Probably babyface actions from a guy who acts like a heel, but he is still being, even though effectively, the way he behaves in traditional terms, because of the swearing and so on, he behaves in a heelish manner. He is without a doubt the number one babyface when Austin's Austin really takes off. They don't do that with the NWO. They've got these guys. They are the gang of people that Austin would be battling against. But the gang of people are destroying the babyfaces. So in theory, the babyfaces should be getting cheers from the sympathy standpoint. But they're not because the NWO are cooler than the guys they're kicking the ass off. (laughs) So it's kind of that thing of, are they... We know where, what happens in, in, in the long run with regards to Sting and, and the Crow character and so on, and it's cool and it's great. We know Goldberg turns up uh, later on and becomes a megastar, and that's great as well. But at the moment, and whilst we're waiting for these things to happen, because they don't happen anytime soon as we're watching the weekly television, there's a little while of a gap. Are they, are they hindering themselves in a way I'm struggling to really find the words, I think, Danny, do you know what I'm getting yeah. at?
0: Yeah, I do get what you're saying. I mean, it's, it's just all part of the long builds that we're, um, experiencing and to see these little things that you don't see on documentaries of maybe there was a little bit of struggling at first. And, um, especially, uh, I wouldn't have known about the NWO, um, street team because I'd never heard about that before. Mm-hmm. And that in theory is kind of, um, kind of spreading the word amongst the fans where they see other fans wearing the shirts and they're like, oh, that actually looks really cool and we can be like them. So they're doing a lot to be like sort of, that's something I would expect to see maybe in 80s WWF with Hulk Hogan where um, the he has like a, a street team sort of thing where other fans are encouraging other fans to be, Um, behind this guy and it's very much the same here with the NWO Mm,
1: no I understand where you're coming from I understand I mean uh, again from my start it's so difficult because I'm constantly contradicting myself but you do have to run with the NWO because they're what's making you the money they're what's getting you the TV ratings so you can't argue with that but I and again I'm looking with hindsight in mind without giving away and it sounds so silly to say about spoilers but the way this show works is that you haven't seen the weekly television or as much of the weekly tv as other people who may listen to the show and that's that's a big hook in our in our podcast i think that i know what's coming you know some of what's coming but we're getting your reaction with fresh eyes and so on so i don't like trying to i don't like spilling the beans too much about things that are happening in the future but in hindsight it's not it's not, to me, looking, looking after the future of, of the company. Because, I mean, look at Savage, for example. And we're going to jump around a little bit by the looks of it. But you look at Savage in this, in this episode. Like Sting is no longer here. Sting's disappeared for a little while. There's no Bill Goldberg yet. Hogan is obviously NWO. Uh, and so, so effectively, at the moment, Randy Savage, I would argue, is your number one babyface. Yeah. Is, is that fair to say?
0: yeah
1: it is yeah yeah okay he's left lying in the middle of the ring yet again now he wasn't left lying last week but he was left looking a mug yeah Uh, but his last few interactions with the nwo he's ended up looking like a mug or got beaten up and he is one guy taking on this massive group of people you go ahead a little while and look at Austin and the issues that Austin went into with McMahon and the actual era and so on. Just as an example, it's not a direct comparison. Of course, things are, complete, things are quite different. But that's the only comparison in my head I can think of with regards to one guy taking on uh, uh, you know, much larger numbers. Austin would at times get the shit kicked out of him. Austin would at times be arrested and escorted from the arena or whatever. But there would also be talk Austin would get the last laugh. Austin would stick the middle finger up and cover somebody in beer. Austin would stun McMahon. Austin would win the match. Austin would escape with the championship somehow, whatever. So fans would cheer this guy because they believed in him. Savage, to me, doesn't... He, there's nothing there to make me think this guy's going to go to Halloween Havoc and win. If I was watching as a fan in 96, I don't, yeah. believe, I don't believe it for a second. So, no, why get, so why would I get behind him?
0: Yeah, no, I'm totally with you, mate. Especially after last week's um, little hotel closing scene, it was like mm. this guy. But I mean, that's the beauty of this is we're going to see um, what he does.
1: Well, yes, there we go, there we go. Uh, see, again, it's so difficult because I know what happens. I don't want to say, but <laughs> it, it, it would contribute to this conversation. But we'll pick this up again in in, in later weeks, and we we do have our second nwo bonus episode coming up in the next coming weeks as well i guess so we'll have to look into do, we could talk about the effects the nwo have at greater length on the rest of the roster when we talk about that i suppose danny but um, yeah absolutely here yeah, we do get talk of sting as harlem Heat battling a public enemy he's refer, ref, he was referred to as the lone wolf still tried to say sorry last week with their car which, again, I still think is quite an odd way of apologising, but there we go. Um, Rocker Rock eventually ends up going through his own table. Harlem Heat attack the knee of uh, Johnny Grunge. And eventually Harlem Heat win with the outside interference of Sherry and and all this other nonsense. (sighs) I don't think this needed to be on the show. The only only reason I think that this was on the programme was so Hall and Nash could turn up in the crowd and 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 just slag off Harlem Heat for a bit. I don't see any other purpose for this being on the show.
0: Yeah, yeah, I could see that as well. That's what I was thinking at that point. Um maybe that's why they had the championship change on Saturday night rather than here because they did it they wanted uh, the NWO to kind of get the better of Harlem Heat and then not have Harlem Heat celebrate with the uh, tag team championships but um, also, because the NWO won to ant- antagonise um, Harlem Heat, but if the public enemy were the still champions, they'd be antagonising them.
1: Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I get you. Uh, after the match, something happens, Danny. What happens?
0: We get the, uh, before I jumped the gun earlier, we get the 15th appearance of a limo and a mega star pops out. As someone who is still wrestling on weekly television to this day, we get Jeff Jarrett arriving on that show, and this blew me away because I always thought that he arrived in 1997. I had okay. no idea he was coming out of that limo. So, si.
1: <laughs> see, I'm I'm a little bit different in that. I still I, I still enjoyed it because I got a surprise factor. Yeah. I knew that Jarrett turned up in '96. I mean, I literally, you know, in the last fortnight, listened to a podcast about Jarrett himself talking about coming back in 96, oh, you know? Yep. So I was aware it happened. I remember it happening back then and, and all this sort of stuff. But I didn't realize it was here. Hmm. I, I don't know if I thought it was next week or what. I, I don't know. So when the limo pulled up, I assumed it was the NWO. As where are led to Believe, by the way, by Tony Schiavone and, and uh, Larry Zabisco and so on. So when you see Jarrett step out, I was a bit like, huh, okay then. But my only issue is, though, and we'll get to this later on in, in our in our look back at this episode of Nitro because we see Jarrett wrestle, is that this is very much 1995 mm. Jeff Jarrett in 1996
0: WWE. Yeah. <laughs> Really well said. Um, this is someone that you would expect to be in the ring with men on a mission or the head shrinkers <laughs> or something like that. Yes. <laughs> this, um, I don't know why he had that I think that ridiculous um, ring attire. I mean, we'll get to that later, but it just didn't fit in here. But I did lo- love the surprise factor of seeing Jeff Jarrett um, coming out of the limo very much the same way that Chris Benoit debuted. um about a year earlier than this um, where he just oh, came yeah. out of a limo as well. WCW was not playing around with their limos, were they? <laughs>
1: they were not. They were not. It's like, it's a big secret. It's what like Jim Cornette always, you know, you hear him joking or, or Bruce Pritchard joking about Jim Cornette, I suppose saying that if somebody comes out of a box, they're over. This is the yeah. WCW version. Just get somebody coming out of a limo and see what happens. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have a interview with nick patrick from saturday night rebroadcast here and he's again i think cutting a, a really good promo for a guy who's not necessarily you know used to doing this on a weekly basis and he talks about finding randy savage 1 million dollars i'm not 100% sure you have the authority to do that mr patrick but the sentiment is nice and he also then talks to uh, Tony Schiavone, who's interviewing him, saying about how he's fed up of people criticizing him and saying that he's a, a crooked ref or he's with the NWO. He's going to prove them all wrong by becoming the law in WCW and then talks about an announcer who used to be here, who caused a lot of these problems, who isn't here anymore, obviously referencing Mean Gene. So that was a nice little touch, I thought, Danny.
0: Yeah, yeah, that really was. And that's possibly a good sign that he's coming back. I mean, we know he comes back, but like that hopefully he'll be back soon.
1: Yes, indeed. No offense, you know, to totally shawani or Mike tonight. I think they do a good enough job. But we miss mean Gene, don't we I think. Yeah, big time. Yeah. Uh the next contest we get, and we do fly through some matches now, so bear with us as we as we cover these, because there's a lot of very quick matches that don't have a lot of substance to them that fill this show out. And the first of these is Diamond Dallas Page, and he is taking on Jim Powers. And the the whole point again of this match taking place, I think, is not for the match itself. I think this whole the whole point of having Page wrestle on this show against anyone is so they can do the dual shot split screen interview and get DDP's interview on the screen whilst he's talking about Eddie Guerrero and their upcoming match at Halloween Havoc. What did you think of this match? And then also, Danny, I guess, the the promo by Diamond Dallas Page as the match was going on.
0: Loved the promo. And you're totally right. I mean, this just felt like, oh, we'll just put him in a ring and then we'll just hope people focus more on the promo. Because the match itself, as you said, the substance was lacking because this was mainly, I would say about probably 90% of the match was... Um, dominated by jim powers the this was um i even have a note here saying powers is wiping the absolute floor with page here this was the story um that had ddp just getting a sneaky diamond cutter in for the one two three that's all it, that i looked at this match for it was like oh pages on the ropes on the ropes but then he gets that little diamond cutter in and then bang mm. um that's it
1: <laughs> yes, indeed. And doesn't cover him straight away as well. No. I liked this because <laughs> they're getting this move over, aren't they? He doesn't cover the guy straight away. There's a couple of seconds where he poses and then goes for the cover. I enjoyed that. Little A little bit ropey, referring to Eddie Guerrero as Burrito Boy a few times on the interview. Maybe a touch racist, but, you know, it is yeah. what it is. I suppose it's 96 and so on. Not saying it's okay, but there we go. and then we have Mike today taking over Mean Gene duties for the time being and he is talking with Randy Savage Savage brings out Jason Keller who is a little fellow in a racing car gear uh, outfit, overalls with his helmet, little tiny moustache and looks incredibly uncomfortable he then talks about the Slim Jim car which apparently he is driving and then explains that the NWO car crashed on the weekend whereas the Slim Jim car finished 10th and we don't just get told, finish 10th. We go, did you finish in the top 25? And you know, the guy goes, macho, you were there. You know we did. Savage celebrates like a lunatic. Did we finish in the top 20? And Mr. Keller responds, macho, you were there. You made lots of friends. You know we did. Oh, Did you finish in the top 15? It's like, wind your neck in Randy. Come on, mate. <laughs> it, was, it, <laughs> was a, it was a bit match, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, it went on, it dragged out a bit. Um, but um, the little footage we have of, um, that we've got shown of Scott Hall and Kevin Ash at the races um, is showing their disappointment when the NWO car crashes. I went on a mad search for this footage. I was like, "Some this must be somewhere on the internet. <laughs> and unfortunately, I, I really couldn't find it. I'd love to see footage of the NWO just sitting at a race. Probably being paid to be there, yes. but um, <laughs> Scott Hall just did not look happy in that in that um, little video clip, did he?
1: <laughs> you can imagine Scott Hall and Nash negotiating it as being, look, we've got this four hundred thousand dollars a year contract for X amount of dates. This is one of our dates. If you want us yes. there, if you're going to make us, we're just going to sit there. We're going to you know eat some snacks, maybe drink a beer, watch a bit of racing. And then piss off over after 20 minutes. (laughs) But this counts as one of our dates, man. You know, (laughs) because they were (laughs) were very astute businessmen, weren't they? Very
0: much so, yes. (laughs) Uh,
1: At the end of the interview, we do see uh, Miss Elizabeth turning up again, trying to get Randy's attention. And he is having none of it and just runs off the other direction, doesn't want to speak to Liz. Leaving Mr. Keller looking a little bit awkward in that place, not really knowing where to go. But, you know, never mind. It's not about him. Up next, we have another filler match, I guess. Uh, and again, the, the purpose of this match, I don't think, was the actual match itself. We have High Voltage, and they are taking on Meng and the Barbarian, who are the faces of fear, of course. And, I mean, first of all, we're told Jeff Jarrett will wrestle in the second hour. But Mongo and Benoit are right to watch this match, and I feel that's the only purpose of this contest is to have Mongo and Benoit out there watching the faces of Pierre to, you know, just another little stepping stone towards Halloween Havoc and the match they're supposed to be having, Danny.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely was, mate. But with Subisco with the line of the year for me, um, when High Voltage were coming out, Subisco said, oh, this team looks supercharged."
1: <laughs> I didn't even notice that. That's fantastic. <laughs> That is so ridiculously crap. It's brilliant.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, oh, man. This, yeah, there was some lethal chops thrown in this match by the Barbarian. I did notice a lot of the action was from Barbarian rather than Barbarian and Meng. I don't know if this was sort of like a showcase for him um, to just like focus to see what he could do. Because we all know Meng is like one of the toughest men in the world. But this was kind of like let's put a little shine on Barbarian a little bit. Did you find that, Sy? Si?
1: Yeah, interesting. See, I just I just felt it was a squash. I just felt this hmm. was, you know, when both guys dropped a power bomb. I, I suppose you're right. And the more I think about it, the more it was a case of whenever Meng tagged in, he tagged back out again relatively quickly, and the Barbarian was, I suppose, more dominant. So yeah, I didn't even, I didn't even notice. But I suppose thinking back you're correct but it was very much a squash match wasn't it for the faces of fear just to run over these two guys
0: yeah absolutely and i cannot wait to see them wrestle the horsemen that should be really
1: cool well i was gonna bring this up later on but i mean we'll we'll talk about it now we get a lot of talk about halloween havoc on this episode which is good because we've criticized WCW in the past, mainly in 95, for not letting us know what is on their shows and not building towards the pay-per-views very well. So here we are a few Nitros out and we're getting the card heavily promoted, which is excellent. You've got your main event of Hogan Savage. We get a lot of build-up in this episode of Nitro for Luger on Anderson, which I'm looking forward to very much. We then got, obviously, the other two members of the Horsemen here that you mentioned, Danny, taking on the faces up here uh there's t- there's talk of flair versus the giant and, and all this sort of stuff i think it's shaping up to be a really good card
0: yeah yeah i mean just as you said compared to 95 i remember uh speaking to you so i um not not in 95 about 95 <laughs> and, and um yeah it's just like we we talked about the um lack of build for that halloween havoc and it's just night and day compared to the year
1: one year later yeah, yeah, very much so. Uh, up next is... Uh, mm, I'm going to be really interested to hear your thoughts on this. I kind know of how excited you were about Glacier coming in and debuting and so on. Um, this is now his second or third match on Nitro. And he's been in the company now. He's wrestled on WWE Pro and Saturday night, I believe. Well, this may be his third match on Nitro. And Glacier is taking on a guy named Michael Wenner, which at first glance, I thought his name when it came up on the screen was Michael Wiener, which I think is much, a much better wrestling gimmick name. Somebody should be called that. Uh, we get the Glacier entrance, and it's not as well received as it has been for the first time we saw him. There's a few boos as well. There's actually a boring chant at one stage. There's a mini NWO chant as Glacier is working. Eventually, Glacier wins with that. I'll be honest, really impressive looking spin kick finish he has. Mm. It's basically a squash. Michael Winner is squashed here. Tony Schiavone refers to Glacier as Mr. Excitement, which I thought was a little bit of a piss take. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I'm interested to get your your thoughts now on Glacier. Now, you've seen him a, a few times. Obviously, it's still very early days, but you can hear the crowd on this particular evening, aren't very impressed. Yeah, um,
0: I feel like, I mean, this is very much like 2023 wrestling fans where something will be on television for three weeks and then they'll get bored of it. Mm. <laughs> um, but seriously, this, it was a bit disappointing because we've had such great Feedback from the fans for the first two matches that he had because he was off a week. He debuted one week, had a week off, and then wrestled um, the next week and now has wrestled here. I can't see them getting bored of him already. Um, I'm just put, hopefully putting this down to just a bad crowd. Okay. Um, but um, that's just me being very hopeful. But I do have a fun fact about this match, Sai.
1: Okay. Interesting. Go on.
0: This is this was actually Michael Winner's last ever wrestling match. Was it really? Yeah, yeah. He never wrestled another match after this. Um, uh, so I'm just thinking, what did Glacier end his career here? <laughs>
1: Well, there we go. If that's true, I mean, I've got nothing to, I've got no research. I'm incredibly unprofessional, aren't I? I've got no research or anything to back this up on. So if you're telling me Michael Wenner did not wrestle again after this, and I've got no reason to doubt you, Danny, then there we (laughs) go. Glacier, the ender of careers.
0: (laughs) Another fact about him, he never won a single match, despite his name being sort of winner, but he never won a single match in his career.
1: Yeah, but his name wasn't also just sort of Winner. It was sort of Wiener. <laughs> so, <laughs> Very true. If anyone's not seen Mike Wenner, I know you called him Wiener again then. I've got to be really careful. If nobody's <laughs> seen Mike Wenner, I was just checking out this episode of Nitro. I mean, a lot of people I know do watch along with us anyway, which is fantastic. Or just Googling him to see pictures of him. If you imagine 1993, 94-ish Scott Steiner, With the singlet of different colours and the boots and the long black mullet. But Scott Steiner, if he's been poorly, that's what Michael Wenner looks like, I think.
0: Very much. Very much.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and Tony Schiavone saying that Glacier here is Mr. Excitement. I think, Tony, you are lying. Uh, Our number two kicks off next on this episode of Nitro. And we are told that Jeff Jarrett was going to wrestle. And here he comes. He is taking on Hugh Morris, who on his entrance to the ring tells us first he will amuse us. Second, he will confuse us. And then third, he will abuse us, which in hindsight, knowing what Mr. and what went on to do is a little bit of a a bit of an odd thing to be reading in 96. But there we go. Um, All the way through the episode, we're told since his debut, because Jeff Jarrett got out of a limo, he's obviously NWO. I can understand why they're saying that they're trying to build up a little bit of excitement for Jarrett coming in a little bit of mystery as to what he's doing there. Is he joining the NWO and so on? But it's a little bit of a weak link, isn't it? He's in a limo. So he must be NWO shortly. Yeah.
0: And I think Eric Bischoff did a quite a good job um, explaining, I believe it was during Jeff Jarrett's entrance about how he was negotiating with him all the way from last year. And, um, no, from a couple of months ago. And, uh, he was so disappointed. It was like Eric Bischoff kind of, um, telepathed the, uh, the, like Jeff Jarrett not being in the, in the NWO. It was like, mm. for me anyway, that's how I felt. I was like, oh, you're going on this too hard. We now know he's not in the NWO.
1: <laughs> well, yeah. And... we'll we'll cut to the chase with this match because again to me it's uh, it's good getting Jarrett to wrestle as soon as he's arrived but I've got to comment on the hair Jarrett has the gold the the sort of the golden flowing locks the the blonde mullet that everyone is very familiar with from 1990's Jeff Jarrett but he also has this weird side parting going on at the same time I'm not 100% sure how that works it's almost like he's got two different haircuts at once and The gear as well, as we mentioned earlier in the show, he's wearing that horrible... It's like a singlet, but with the bits cut out and the straps that go from the waist all the way around to his neck. and It just looks like crap. It looked like crap in 94 and 95 in the WWF. And on this episode of Nitro, when you've got people as awesome as the likes of Benoit and the NWO and and all this Hogan coming out in the black with the cool t-shirts and the lightning on his tights and so on. Jarrett just looks so out of place. He looks, and they sound so silly saying this because this is what Jarrett is, of course, but he looks Southern States, territory wrestling. Yeah. But on a national stage.
0: Yeah. And, I think Hugh Morris to me was the wrong opponent for him. I know Hugh Morris is dependable in the ring, and you're going to get a decent match out of it. But this just this
1: was a miss. Mm. Yeah, I agree. I mean, a couple of moments. I mean, uh, the Jarrett struts a lot, which I always get a kick out of because I know that he's doing that as a tribute to his favorite wrestler growing up as a kid. Now, so I quite enjoy seeing that. When I was when I was younger, hated it. But now he's listening to Jarrett <laughs> on his own podcast, and I appreciate what he's doing. I like it a lot more. Um, yep. Jarrett hits a nice drop kick before Hugh Morris misses a top rope leg drop, and we have the figure four for the win from Jarrett. And there comes the interesting bit: Jarrett then cuts a babyface promo, and we come back to our big conversation that opened the uh, opened our episode of Nitro Nights earlier. Danny right? the NWO and people's uh, careers and heat and so on and pushes with regards to baby faces and heels being affected by how how over the NWR Jarrett's come in with a big deal of fanfare here Gets out that is a surprise which is a big thing for WCW anyway he gets out of the limo he wrestles the commentators are talking all the time about him being NWO it's a it's, it's a travesty they're shocked and all this he then stands there and says no I am not NWO I, I think Sting said it best the other week nwo you can stick it i'm here for you know wcw and and he talks about uh veron and, and of course his dad as well jerry jarrett being you know territory promoters back in the day and how wrestling wouldn't exist without hulk hogan according to hollywood hogan the other week but look at these guys here you never put a plate of food on my table and i thought it was a really good babyface promo talking about his roots in the business the territory days slating hogan and so on i thought this worked really well but yeah jarrett has got that mullet Jarrett's wearing that white <laughs> gear from 1993 the nwo look cool Jarrett's cutting a brilliant baby face promo that means something it's got it's got a real personal touch to it and he's booed at the fucking building because of it yeah
0: yeah and this yeah this, this is such a miss um Yeah, I mean, we know why he had to get involved in the mix. I mean, this is his debut, but I I just think Eric Bischoff also just contributed to just like um, sort of like uh, just making this just feel a bit outdated because when Jeff Jarrett says NWO can stick it, Eric Bischoff sells this just
1: too much for me. Okay. Interesting. I mean, I suppose. That's that there's two aspects to that because you as a viewer aren't buying that. And you're, you you think he's overselling it and makes it how you how you explained. But also the people in the arena, they can't hear Bischoff. Yeah. And yet they're still booing Jarrett anyway. Now obviously Jarrett's come from the WWF, he was a heel on their television and so on, but he's turned up here and he's cutting a promo on the number one supposed bad guy in the company. And how this guy has insulted his father and other businessmen from the territory days. And he's got his roots in wrestling way back when, and all this sort of stuff. And I'm here to fight the NWO and they can stick it and all. And he even mentions sting. He even He even froze mm. in Sting's name into his promo. And I think Jarrett's promo is really good. Yeah. But again, the crowd boo him. I think it comes back to that fact that the NWO were just too cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's what we were saying at the beginning about Harlem Heat. So, yeah, we'll see mm. what else happens with this.
1: There we go. Uh, we then get the standard NWO shirt promo, which I always like, especially at the very end where they just goes buy the shirt. <laughs> you know, that cracks me up. And uh, <laughs> somebody that I've not seen for a little while, but maybe you have on Saturday night and so on, Danny. Uh, the Renegade pops up. He's facing Arn Anderson. Uh, I've literally got one note for this match. It just says Arn's DDT, holy shit. Yeah.
0: To be honest, that is, apart from Arn Anderson just getting everything in to make, because as we were saying, this is lead up to the pay per view to show you showcases for the wrestlers that are on the pay per view. Arn Anderson spends the whole of this match um, making Renegades suffer, and you mm-hmm. really believe it. And it's like, yeah, if he's going to do this to sort of like a body guy like the renegade, what is he going to do to um, Lex Luger at Slim Jim's Halloween Havoc?
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. There's a, I don't know if it's still up because it was a long time ago I saw it. I don't even know where I saw it. I'm assuming it was YouTube. Maybe worth just Googling it, or, or maybe on Twitter, but I'm fairly certain it was on YouTube. And it was just a video entitled, R. Anderson hitting DDTs for... X amount of minutes and somebody had put together loads of R. Anderson DDTs and I don't know if it lasted 5 minutes, 10 minutes, whatever but it's kind of hypnotic <laughs> when you start, to me, if somebody says oh, here's a guy doing the same move over and over again I'm thinking yeah, that's going to get boring I end up watching the whole bloody thing because this guy <laughs> is superb and his DVD, his, his DDT, sorry, not DVD my goodness, his DDT is absolutely brilliant mm,
0: It really is my, but one thing I just found unbelievable about this, but I I appreciate the effort is when Lex Luger's running out to save baby face renegade. I was just like, that doesn't feel like Lex Luger. But <laughs> I, I appreciate the sentiment that they're doing because they have to make Arn Anderson the ultimate heel and Lex Luger the ultimate face.
1: Well, they're both body guys. Ain't they yep. Luger and the Renegade? They're both body guys. So maybe Luger's like, "No, that guy works <laughs> out so hard. Don't hit him with that chair. I must go and save my big bicep brother or whatever, you know." And yeah. um, <laughs> then, yeah, Luger comes out to to after the match. Arnson is is beating the Renegade up. Luger comes out to make the save and so on, and then stands in the ring yelling at Arn to get in the ring now and and all this sort of usual babyface stuff. And he does get a good reaction. The crowd are still liking Luger here, aren't they?
0: Yeah, and that's a credit to this entire year. Plus, well, actually, no, about a year um, Lex Luger's been in the company. So, yeah, that's a massive credit to him.
1: Yeah, he's, he's done very well, hasn't he? Uh, yeah. We then go to an ad break, getting told, obviously, Luger's going to wrestle in the second hour. So I'm thinking, OK, the Luger match must be next then. And we come back from the ad break to hear the Blue Bloods music. Dave Taylor comes out and Dave Taylor slaps Jeeves about a little bit. Apparently, uh, Bobby Eaton has already left the Blue Bloods because of the way they treat Jeeves. So, I mean, it looks like they're all parting ways. And then Lex Luger's music hits, and he walks back out and strikes all his poses in front of the fireworks. He has literally walked to the back to be able to walk back out again and pose, hasn't
0: he? He has, (laughs) yes. We we've seen that um, a couple of times on this to rewatch,
1: but it just doesn't get any less ridiculous, does it? No, not really. We get the well, actually, it, it if anything does get more ridiculous because we get the kind of uh, camera in camera shot again, the sort of split screen interview effort whilst this match is going on, uh, and it's it's a very quick brawl. There's nothing masses that happens here. Uh, Dave Taylor misses an elbow drop off the ropes and then he gets put in the rack for Luger to win. But whilst this match is going on, we get Lex Luger popping up on screen, cutting a promo as his match is happening. And he spends the whole of the promo, which, by the way, is not a bad promo by Luger standards, flexing his biceps and just basically making his little man boobs bounce around in front of us. <laughs> I say little man boobs, that's very derogatory. I don't mean it how that came out, to be fair. The guy is obviously fantastic condition but it's a little bit off-putting when he's uh basically making his chest dance whilst he's talking about how he's going to beat up Arn anderson it was a bit weird yeah it was enough to get Arn anderson fired up who came out and attacked him after wasn't he That's it. He's like, yeah do you dare shake your shake your pecs at me and just battered lugo with a chair yeah, after his match so but again arn looked believable didn't he
0: yeah, very much so. And I can't wait to see the, that clash of um,
1: titans at the pay-per-view. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that one as well, to be fair. Uh, we then get a rematch from last week's Nitro main event. And this is Rick Steiner, and he is taking on Chris Benoit. Uh, but this on this occasion, you know, Benoit is obviously accompanied by Mongo and uh, Deborah McMichael and so on. On this occasion, Rick Steiner is not on his own because his brother Scott is with him. Dressed in, a, I don't know, it's kind of like a throwaway costume from the village people. He has like a funny little leather hat on and a waistcoat. But he still looks ripped and huge. And we're told that he's going for surgery soon. He has surgery on his back. And because of this, Rick Steiner is wrestling the tag tournament in Japan throughout the whole of October uh, with the great Muta as his partner. So it looks like we're not going to see Stoner in the ring for for a little while now, Danny.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's such a shame. But you nailed it dead on there about the village people look, but <laughs> very maybe more appropriate for 1986 rather than 1996.
1: Well, maybe, maybe. <laughs> uh, there we go. Um, this match to me was pretty much all about how powerful Rick Stoner is. Mm. He was he was great. The clotheslines, the flying clotheslines, that brilliant spot where his opponent tries to leapfrog him and he jumps, catches him in the air, and turns it into a kind of power slam spinebuster-esque move. It's it's incredible. And as this is going on, we get another cut to the back. And what happens then, Danny? We have Scottish
0: Daddy's Limo Count Number 16.
1: And who steps out of this one?
0: The master of the NWO, Hollywood Hogan, arrives and says he has business to attend to.
1: Yes, indeed. We cut back to the ring and we have more talk from the commentary team about where is Sting? So I don't know how early they've got this in mind. But whenever the NWO look, you know, look threatening, Sting's name is mentioned. He is not Mm. even though it's only been a month and it's only been a few weeks or whatever it may well be. He is very prominent when the NWR are on television, isn't he? Yeah, yes, yeah, very much so. Uh, Benoit slams Rick Steiner so hard that, according to Bobby Heenan, he knocked his ears off, which tickled <laughs> me. Of course, he's just referencing you know, Rick Steiner's amateur style uh, rest, uh, headgear before yeah. Rick catches Benoit as he comes off the top rope and turns into an amazing looking belly to belly overhead suplex. Hits his top rope bulldog, but only for a two count. And then we get Deborah up on the apron, and she is distracting the referee, whilst Mongo steps up to the apron as well with his briefcase, and he's calling, uh, he's calling Chris Benoit to say he's going to give him the briefcase before Scott Steiner turns, you know, shouts him and distracts him. But Mongo jumps down and looks like he's going to hit Scott Steiner with the briefcase before Rick Steiner grabs the briefcase over the top rope and donks him on the bo- on the on the head with it. Just just donks him straight on the top of the noggin. And Mongo does one of the greatest sells I have seen so far on Nitro Nights. He looks virtually directly at the camera, goes all wobbly faced, wobbly necked, wobbly legged, and just drops to the floor. It really made me laugh. <laughs>
0: We'll have to see if that's available on Twitter. Someone must have given that.
1: <laughs> must have, must have. Uh, Rick Steiner uses the case on Benoit and wins the match. I thought this was this was okay. This was all right. It wasn't brilliant, but it it, it was all right.
0: Yeah, yeah. To me, it was the best match of the night. Um, it was very physical. These two have great chemistry, as we saw last week as well. And, um, yeah, we got, but the horsemen just weren't having a good night on
1: this night, were they? They were not. No, they were not. This then brings us to our main event. We're told it's for the United States Championship, because if you're keeping score or if you're keeping tabs or, you know, if you're trying to remember, Ric Flair is apparently the US champ, even though that sometimes gets ignored. And he is defending that championship against macho man, Randy Savage, which again blurs the lines because Savage is a baby face. Flair is supposed to be a heel because of the horseman, unless the horsemen are up against the NWO and then their baby faces again. But then people are still cheering the NWO, even though they're heels. So are they the babyfaces? which then makes the horseman? The- I don't fucking know anymore. My head is spinning. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's insane. Uh, before this match really kicks off, though, we have Hulk Hogan with the nasty warriors backstage saying, just watch my back. I've got stuff to do and so on. Savage is like first. Flair's music hits. There's no Flair. So straight away, you're thinking, "Uh oh, what's happened? And we head backstage again to see Ric Flair has been attacked. And there's a, a, a metal bar banging around the floor on the concrete that apparently has been used against him. And you notice Miss Elizabeth is there as well. And she's not rushing to stop Rick being attacked, but she's not looking too happy about it. Now, initially, Danny, I'm thinking, ha, is she now NWO? Is that what we're looking at here? But that's not the case. It's just that this particular moment, her acting is so terrible, you don't know what the hell's going on. (laughs) Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. (laughs) At that point, I'm thinking she's with Hogan. At that point, I think she's with the NWO. You've got no reason to disbelieve it, I don't think. No. To be honest, it's a missed opportunity.
0: I think they could have had her in at this point.
1: Uh, I suppose. Yeah, I suppose. Uh, Savage. Effectively, then, we we, we realize quite quickly that Liz is not part of the NWO because Hogan is stalking her out to the ring. The giant is there as well. Savage interjects with a chair. And, you know, basically gets overpowered by the numbers and carried to the ring. And I'm amazed I have not seen a clip of this before, whether it's a gif or you know, via Botchmania or whatever may well put these things out. Savage is being carried to the ring on the giant's shoulder, almost in like an old fashioned almost backbreaker position, not like the rack, but over one shoulder with his spine bending in the wrong direction. And he's being carried to the ring like that. And the giant then just tries to power up the steps to get in the ring with the, with the beaten and, and, you know, destroyed Randy Savage, the freaking steps tip over Danny and they go absolutely. Oh my goodness. How bad did this look? They could have seriously hurt themselves. Yeah.
0: This, Oh, I'm telling you the giant must have bought much our dinner this night because that that was very scary and savage landed basically on his um not if not on his head it was definitely on his
1: upper neck wasn't it mm, really bad the giant kind of lands on his knee or hip with the steps apart underneath him as well it was a really nasty tumble i think but yeah there we go uh We then have the usual NWO stuff in the ring. Hogan drops the leg on Savage numerous times. Miss Elizabeth is being made to watch whilst Hogan is yelling that I own you. I own your soul. I own your body. I own your mind. I own this. I own that. And then drops a few more leg drops. Spray paint comes out. And in a nice little unique twist, rather than just writing NWO on their opponent's back, they actually draw around the outside, the outline of Randy Savage, like it's a a, a crime scene, like a murder scene, I suppose, with a chalk before lots and lots of rubbish flies into the ring one piece hits hogan quite hard that was quite funny the giant gets hit with what looks like a a, a, a beaker of coke or a beaker of soft drink of some description that was quite funny as well the outsiders come out and everyone's cutting a promo they talk about attacking the commentary booth and then i've just got a little note here danny that says right where's the rest of wcw We're told that the horsemen are looking after Flair. I can buy that. So Arne not coming out, Mongo, Benoit, whatever. I can buy that. Where's everyone else? Yeah. You've got these guys attacking Savage. And the whole time, we're told Savage is a big, you know, uh, is so important that Randy Savage beats Hogan at Halloween Havoc. We've got to get the championship back. Savage is carrying WCW on his shoulders right? Sting being around and all this sort of stuff. Where's Luger? I appreciate he's been hit with a chair a couple of times by Anderson, but come on. You know, we see people get hit with chairs and jump back up. Where's Luger? Where's Harlem Heat, who are supposed to be wrestling the outsiders, who are literally stood in the ring, bad-mouthing the company? Where's the rest of WCW? And again, it just comes back to, in my mind, making the people that, in theory, were supposed to cheer for look pretty weak and, and pretty dumb. I think.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, you're totally right. Um, This, I felt, was just to uh, um, angle, just to hype up uh, the Macho Man and Hulk Hogan uh, match at um, the pay-per-view. But, you're right, I mean, some baby faces um, coming down would not have gone amiss. I mean, I remember um, a couple months ago when you talked about um, possibly having um, Scott Steiner uh, kind of like scare off the nwo in in the ring if that could have happened it would have been so much better with this i think i mean there were so many baby faces here but it's like yeah they just kind of just just didn't come out did they
1: (laughs) no no i mean okay put this into context then danny my friend uh how many members of the nwo did we see wrestle on this episode of nitro
0: I'm gonna to have to look at my
1: nose. <laughs> None. That's right. None. Yeah. We had nine matches on this card. Yeah. A few of which were tag matches. So if we you know you take into consideration in the opener, it was a tag match. So that's four blokes. You take into consideration that we had uh, the high voltage faces a fear match, that's another four blokes. So then you are left with seven, which is 14. So that's 28. That's 32 wrestlers from WCW from the roster are in that building. Just looking at the basis of who worked, there's obviously going to be others there who did dark matches and others there who are, you know, for whatever reason, just literally the people who competed on this episode of Nitro, 32 wrestlers were used on this episode of Nitro. None of them came out. I think that's you again, you can excuse the the horseman side of things that that makes a lot of sense. You can excuse them. And I am counting, I suppose Savage and Flair in the main event, so maybe maybe 32 is not accurate, say 30. but yeah, it, it doesn't make masses of sense to me, no. considering how often already the NWO has stood looking victorious over people from WSW. I can yes. only really think of one occasion where WCW looked massively competitive in these brawls. And that was building to a pay-per-view a little while back.
0: Mm. Yeah. Um, that's a good question I had for you, sir. is do you think he was too early, but since this is his debut night, to have Jeff Jarrett maybe run out and try to stop things? But then, uh, then again, actually thinking about that now, because he would have just been flattened, wouldn't
1: he? <laughs> I wouldn't have minded that. I wouldn't mind you that Jarrett's I'll tell you what I didn't even think of Jarrett until you just mentioned him Jarrett has literally that that show within that hour of television Jarrett has ran his mouth about Hogan and said how much he's here to stick it to the NWO and Hogan has been disrespectful to his family and the traditions of the business and so on here is the perfect moment for Jarrett to run out and maybe even get a positive crowd reaction when Savage is getting destroyed in the ring Just run out with a chair, start swinging it. The NWO haven't got to get destroyed or hit. They can just jump out the ring, stand there, wave, you know, hold their hands and go, okay, you know, whereas we're done here anyway. Laugh at him a little bit. Or even like you said, somebody can then jump in from behind and the numbers game takes advantage. But at least there's somebody trying to do something. And you're establishing then for the audience, the people at home and so on, you're really establishing that Jarrett is against the NWO. And by doing this, it's kind of a heroic action coming down to try and rescue Savage when he's outnumbered. Maybe he would get a positive crowd reaction, which is obviously what they want by the ba- you know, by the babyface promo he cut. They wanted a positive reaction by by the wording of that promo, but he didn't yeah. get it because the NWO was so cool. I mean, on the yeah. other side of the coin, Jarrett might have ran out to the ring, got wasted by the NWO, and people might have fucking loved it. <laughs> Who knows? So true. <laughs> but there we go oh we see a monster truck as well just to add a little bit more uh, craziness to this but the nwo monster truck comes out and uh, i wonder if it was the same monster truck that hogan used with the arms in front of it back at halloween havoc 95 and it was all spray painted i wonder if the giant sort of had some kind of ptsd nightmare about seeing this truck
0: <laughs> i found this really weird as an ending because the monster truck teases running over the entire announcers booth. And you see the announcers running away. Why didn't they keep the cameras rolling?
1: <laughs> I think they run out of time. Oh, because it's edging yeah. towards the beef and edging towards the booth, And they've said, we're going to go and get the you know the, the commentary beef and so on. It's edging towards it, it's edging towards it. And then it looks like it's run out of time. Yeah. I'll get you. Because of that, I'm thinking huh, typical WW. They've planned a big spot here. The monster truck is going to smash up the the you know, commentary area, the, the the entrance, and so on. Typical WCW, they've run out of TV time. Bloody hell, they are claims. So I left on the next episode of Nitro to watch the first few minutes because when these things happen, you get Tony Shawnee and Larry Spitzko going, let us take you back seven days to what happened on last Monday, Nitro, and and all this. And then I'm thinking I'd see the truck destroy the entranceway, which could be quite cool, quite a cool visual it doesn't happen no oh. <laughs> i'm not saying it doesn't happen later on in the show they don't they don't show it at another another occasion or whatever but yeah the first couple of minutes it, it doesn't happen so oh, that's yeah a <laughs> it is it is but there we go so danny that concludes that episode of nitro in our watch back uh, I suppose the only thing that's left for us to do is to rate the episode in our usual way and give our plus points and our negatives, our woos and our oh brothers, my friend.
0: Woo! Brother, 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 brothers, brother.
1: Woo! Brother. What are you thinking? I'm thinking for
0: the woo, it was definitely the um, the fact that Ric Flair um, was going to wrestle on Man, but they, at least we saw Ric Flair backstage rather than because we haven't seen him for a long time i'm glad that the effort was put in that he was there in his robe he had his championship belt and stuff and that we actually seen the nwo attacking him rather than just hearing that makes a massive difference um why how i explain that is do you know when you're watching a paper uh, a raw or smackdown or any show and you you know a wrestler's not on the card, but they still run out with their boots and their wrist tape on and everything like that, but you don't see them the entire night apart from that. Yeah. That makes a huge difference to me. So the fact that Ric Flair was actually backstage and actually um, looked like he was about to wrestle, that was a massive bonus for me. So that would be mine.
1: Yeah, fair enough. So I suppose continuity i guess filling in the blanks backstage yeah that makes a lot of sense there's a little production quality there's little production touches that sort of change the quality yeah
0: yeah Yeah. and just just putting
1: in the effort that's like the
0: end of the day it is
1: (laughs) yeah no i get you i get uh my woo my, my plus point this week would just quite simply be r anderson's ddt it's a thing of beauty and this is one of the best we've seen of a brilliant move so far if you don't watch any part of this episode of nitro check out that ddt Holy crap, it's brilliant. <laughs> Your O-brother, my friend. It's an easy one for me. It was the,
0: the Jeff Jarrett-Hugh Morris match because I felt Jeff. this could have been done with Jeff Jarrett. I don't mind him wrestling or anything like that, but I feel that like the whole thing was to get that promo out and nobody likes seeing Hugh Morris on
1: television today. I'm not a fan, but yeah, okay. Uh, my O-brother is... Uh, I suppose kind of similar, but maybe a little bit more specific. Um, it's Jeff Jarrett's gear. <laughs> it looked dated and crap when it was new. So now in 96, it looks very bad. Bin that off, Jeff. We don't want to see that again. <laughs> uh, hit, miss or middle my friend? I'll say hit this week. So si. um, there was
0: a good matches. There were short, they were built to the pay-per-view. Um, they highlighted the uh, characters that are going to be in the pay per view, which I loved. And yeah, I mean, the only thing that was um, just scary was that much a man bump. So yeah, really, really good stuff. How about you, mate? What are you giving this?
1: Yeah, I think I think there's enough there for me to give it a hit this week. It's not the strongest episode of Nitro we've ever seen, but it went along at quite a pace. I mean, like I said, there was what nine matches. I think I said yeah. On a show that is effectively an hour and a half long. There's also other segments going on as well. There's cuts to backstage during matches, which sometimes can be badly timed. I get that. But they're trying to make sure people don't turn over because you never know what's going to happen at any stage. You get the Jarrett debut. And yeah, I, th- I think it just sneaks into hit territory for me. It did. <laughs> okay there we go so then danny before we depart do you want to let everybody know whereabouts they can find your good staff online and all the other shows and content you are involved in please
0: you can find me on Twitter at Scottish Juggalo. You can hear me on One Man's Meat podcast with the great Chris Bellis. You can hear me back when on Back When with the great Ty Peters. And you can hear me here next week where we're on the road to Halloween Havoc. Slim Jim's Halloween Havoc. Slim Jim's
1: with great, Halloween Havoc. <laughs> <laughs> the great Cy si <laughs> Powell. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Don't forget the slim, Jim. Uh, anything that I am involved in, you can find via the network that carries this show. So you need to be checking out at SJP World Media on Facebook and Twitter, and also following, subscribing, and all that good stuff to SJP World Media on all your podcast players, platforms, and providers. Uh, and this show itself, you can also follow on Facebook and Twitter and its own individual uh, channel stream, whatever it may well be called, on all your podcast players like Spotify, Apple and all that good stuff and that's at Nitro underscore nights. that's at Nitro underscore Knights Danny it's been a blast again my friend I'm looking forward to next week already me too mate and to everyone else as always thank you for listening